Sensor Global saves lives with automatic compliance and manages smoke alarms, gas and water leak detection with 24-7 remote management. It provides complete control, reduced risks and improved compliance for property managers. To find out more, speak to Anthony Booth or head over to sensorglobal.com. Today, I have another international guest that I'm super excited to hear from. His name is Essa. He is from Flock and he is from Washington, D.C. Essa, welcome to the PM Collective Podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. Now, I'm going to get you to intro yourself because I haven't heard the story and I'd love to sort of hear a little bit about you, your background and what Flock is and and how it operates um, in the US, if you can share that with us all. Absolutely, yeah. So as you said, my name is Esther Yildirim. Um, Flock is a parent company of a number of birds uh, that all deal with property management or property-related services. Um, I work for Nest DC, uh, and we specialize in uh, individually-owned uh, condos, row homes, single family home management. Uh, we manage about 1,200 units in DC uh, and we've been around for 14 years. Um, we also have birds that manage uh, HOAs uh, here in DC. Um, we also do home maintenance uh, through another sister company. Um, and then we also have a philanthropic wing, um, Bird Seed, and we specialize in uh, providing grants for uh, minority families, first-time home buyers, um, and we've been fortunate enough to to um, to fund that program and and see a lot of happy happy people um, buy their first homes here in DC. So, okay, I've got a few questions in regards to this. So, yeah. do you uh, is the word franchise something that you have over in the US? Like it is. Yes. Would is is flock like a franchise or is flock just a um a, a a company that has companies underneath it exactly yeah we are not a franchise uh, flock is just our our mother bird as we call it um that kind of ties all these all these other companies together right and who so all is... under one sorry all, all under one uh you know ethos and all on un, all under one one vision Okay, I love that. And who is Flock owned by then? Uh, Lisa Wise is the founder and and owner. Um, Our HOA management, Roost DC, is actually an employee-owned company. Um, So I think that'll that'll be a nice topic for uh, for our conversation today. Wow. And um, I just want to quickly ask you about, uh, number one, I actually really love the the branding and the language that you've got with Flock. I think that's incredible. <laughs> I, I've never heard a business or a company uh, be so clever with it. So that's um, really great to hear those, those wings. Um, the Birdseed Fund, like I love that. So how do you raise funds for those grants? Uh, we do contribute a, a portion of our profits towards that. Uh, Lisa contributed her own, you know, her own funds to to get it started, and then the rest is through uh, business partnerships, through through donations. Uh, we've had a number of our clients through Nest uh, offer donations, um, so really a wide variety of sources, um, and we're looking to continue to grow that um, so that we're able to to really offer some meaningful meaningful grants to people. Oh, I love that. And would um, people apply for a grant and then as a committee or a board, you would decide 
where to put sort of certain funds. Exactly. Yeah, there's a, a couple requirements, um, but it's really open to a, a pretty wide pool of people. So we we do get a lot of applications, and we're we're hoping to approve as many of them as we can. Um, it's amazing, you know, ten thousand dollars, fifteen thousand dollars is is often the difference between someone being able to own their home and and start that journey and and build generational wealth here in in the U.S. Um, so so seemingly small amounts can can really make a big impact. Wow, I love that. That's really awesome. Now, the topic today is looking after the team that cares for your properties. And as mentioned just briefly before, um, we have businesses in Australia have definitely got a pain point when it comes to staffing uh, on some different levels. Like the first um, pain point is the lack of uh, lack of staff. So the, you put an ad out and there's just no one around that applies. So that's like one issue. Second issue would be multi-generational workplaces, which is one of my favorite topics. And um, and I think maybe the fact that we are, a lot of people are uneducated in how to manage a multi-generational team. I think I heard somewhere that this is the first time we've ever had five generations working in a workplace. So I think that we as a society are quite inexperienced with that. And uh, so that's sort of one of the other problems that we've got as well. So that's sort of what's happening in Australia. And I would love to hear a little bit about about Flock, about um, the size of um, maybe, you know, whether it's all the businesses or all your business. Um, and yes, things that are special and things that you do that stand out and are a little bit different. Yeah, it's it's a, it's definitely a tough topic. Um, you know, property management is already one, I think, uh, an industry that experiences a lot of turnover. It's a high, high burnout industry. Um, and so this is something we've yeah, we've been trying to to focus on and something our founder, Lisa, has always prioritized is, is taking care of the people that are running the business and taking care of the properties and, and taking care of our clients. Um, we don't have five generations uh, in our workforce here in, in at Nest, um, but there are certainly multiple generations of, of folks. And it's um, I think it's nice to see the diversity um, in the workplace, you know, that diversity brings different ideas and different approaches to the work. And I think that's what helps with creative problem solving and, and, um, and not being stagnant with, um, with the same approach to, to the same problem all the time. Our approach to, to taking care of your people really starts with, I think the job description and, and, and the pay and the benefits. Um, but I think that's only what gets people in the door, you know, from there it really is creating an atmosphere, um, that excites people to come to work. Um, you know, the work is not easy. Um, it's, it's not one, you know, generally people are rushing to praise their, their property managers. Usually you're hearing from people when they're, when they're at their worst, when they're, when they're unhappy with how something is going, when their home is flooding, um, you know, high stress situations. Um, 
And I think creating creating a workforce and creating a team that enjoys taking care of people in those situations that that can show empathy and be compassionate about um, the problems that people are coming to us with is is important. It's funny um, you say that because I think I see a lot of uh, nurses that become property managers and <laughs> a lot of people that have been in that caring, nurturing role that have gone yeah, gone into real estate and uh, and they're the true, the, the people that have got that true need for helping and caring and nurturing. That's, that's funny. A, a majority of our staff actually come from uh, either restaurant hospitality, retail. Uh, we have a number of teachers. So similarly, all positions that really um, look for, you know, yeah, taking care of others, the customer service approach. Um, I come from a restaurant background um, of, of over 10 years before I joined Nest. Um, and I've been at Nest for almost six years now. Um, and that's really one of the things that drew me to, to work for Nest and, and Flock is their, you know, that customer service centric, um, approach to, to everything. Uh, and what really, what really drives me every day is, is taking care of, of the clients. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's an important factor in, in, in building that team is looking for people who really enjoy that work and not just, not just the, the property side. Um, I think that's very interesting. I, I really enjoy real estate and, and all that comes with, but I, I tell folks on, on sales calls all the time, managing the property is not the hard part, you know, fixing an appliance, fixing, you know, fixing a, a faulty HVAC system. That, that part's pretty simple. Uh, it's the relationships that you're building um, that really make a difference that really, you know, turn a house into a home, um, is, is taking care of the, the tenants that are living there and, and, and taking care of the, the client who owns the property that way. Yeah. And so that's really our, our approach is, is really focused on that. Um, and then bringing that in house, you know, I, I consider my team, um, I consider them my customers as well. So I, I've always said, you know, you have your external customers and your internal customers, um, and if you think of your team like that, that that they are also your customers, I think that really shifts the mindset of how you may approach that next difficult conversation or, or um, you know, what you are looking for to, to create in the office and, and create that uh, that excitement to, to come every day. So with your team, have you had any plan that you will recruit inexperienced or experienced or a bit of both like what's the recruitment process look like for you we've we've done both um you know it's always great to have folks come in the door that are you know knowledgeable about the industry and kind of ready to hit the ground running um but i think that also comes with um some challenges there and i think that's applicable to any industry i had the same issue in, in restaurants you have people come with the bad habits from their you know their other employer or um, other, other companies. And, but there is something to be said about having that, that knowledge and awareness about, about the industry. Um, I think ultimately, whether you're hiring someone without experience or with experience, the training that you invest in is really critical. Um, you know, not just training around the, the industry and the ins and outs of, of management, but really how you want them to approach the work and, and deal with clients, um, is really in that, that first, we, we do 90 day training. So that first 90 days, 
a lot of touch points, a lot of feedback. Um, we do a 30 and 60 and 90 day check-in um, to kind of review the job description, review pros and cons of, of how things have been going, check in to see what challenges they've been having. You know, So it's, it is a two-way conversation. Um, in those check-ins, it's not just, oh, here's what you've done wrong. Here's what you need to do better. And here's what you've done well. Um, it really is a conversation between both manager and, and employee um, to make sure that they are set up for success. And, and similar, do, so would you do the same 90-day training for people, whether they're experienced or inexperienced? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I always, you know, assume the best in people, but but start from start from zero. Start, you know, as if they they know absolutely nothing. Um and allow people to, with that experience, to really show that off. So, you know, if you're going through a training about fair housing, um, you know, I find that that folks with the experience will still appreciate kind of re- reviewing that, refreshing it, um, and have an opportunity to to be part of that dialogue in in the training. So it's not just, oh, here's a video to watch for an hour and and I'll be back. Um, I was just going to ask you about the training because I uh, I wing it. I um how's the best way and I've gotten away with winging it so it's not that it's been a problem (laughs) um but I get very jealous hearing of people that have you know the minute that you said 30 uh 30 day 60 day check-in 90 day plan I would love to be that organized and to have that plan in place and to have the energy and maybe motivation to do that with every new staff member. And I'll be the first to put my hand up and say it doesn't really interest me as a business owner and I know that it should. And I wish it is something that I was just so, um, so obsessed with. So I would love to hear a little bit more about that. So you definitely, I know you said the 30, 60-day check-ins. I think that's a great idea. I think, and I'm I'm very vulnerable on these podcasts so that people um, also don't feel bad if they have the same thoughts as me. Uh, we're not bad people. But having, having those 30-day, 60-day check-ins, Sometimes I just think, oh, I, I actually don't want to hear anything negative. And I know that's wrong, a wrong attitude, because you mm-hmm. want to hear that as well. But I do just want to cover my ears and shy away from it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Many real estate agents across Australia confidently refer Property Insurance Plus to their clients as they recognise the price and benefit value of their policy combined with the client-focused service they deliver. They offer a comprehensive building and landlord insurance facility and have formed a powerhouse to present the very best in investment property insurance. Contact PIP today to find out more. Yeah, it's um, it, it's something I think I've gotten better at with practice. Yeah. Um, one of our manager trainings, one of the phrases that really stuck with me is "clear is kind," um, and so giving you know giving constructive criticism that's very clear um, is actually a, a kinder approach than ignoring ignoring the issue. You know, ultimately, if it's a performance problem or or there's there's something happening that. Um, that is not up to your standards. Allowing that to continue is only going to make things make things worse. And eventually, this person is either going to need to be fired, 
uh, or go on a you know performance improvement plan, or other people are going to pick up those you know that that bad habit as well. So um, those tough conversations are there; they are tough. Um, and I think calling that out, you know, in the beginning of a conversation is perfectly normal. Um, hey, this is going to be a tough conversation, but ultimately, you know, I, I want the best for you, and so that's why we're having this this conversation. You say that really um, well. <laughs> you had to do it a few times. It's easier when I'm not actually facing a, the, the person that I'm having the conversation with. Fair enough. Uh, but it's interesting. You said you're you're not too keen on you know on the training and and all that. I'm I'm kind of the opposite. I really like that part of the work. Um, and so one thing I've had a challenge with is kind of letting go of that um, to allow others to also participate in the training. Um, but I think that has also helped um, the training process is kind of is delegating, um, you know, peers and um, and even people that report up to a new hire um, and other managers, having them involved in the training, um, finding out like what they are, what part of the work that they are excited about, that they're going to be more likely to be excited to teach someone about uh, is a great way, I think, to involve other people in the team, kind of lift some of that training burden off of off of you um, or off of whoever the training manager is and, and really get, you know, get that full experience. That was my um, next question um, was how does it happen? Do you sort of say, okay, you're, um, the, the new employee is dedicated to you for days one to four and then this person, you know, Sally takes on inspection training on these three days and and you pass it around. Is that sort of how it works? Yeah, our, our first few days are with our, you know, with our HR team, you know, just kind of going through the, 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 the fundamentals and getting them set up with the tools and logins and all of that. Um, then the high, the, um, their manager will then take over from there. Uh, we really put a lot of control and ownership on the new hire. Um, so we use um, monday.com, which is like a organizing tool and, and, and software. Uh, we create a, a specific training platform um, for that employee specifically, for their role specifically. Uh, it's broken down by day for the first two weeks, and then it's broken down by week. Um, and it, you can customize it and move things around. So if something is missed, that's not time sensitive. You can move it to the following week and really helps you keep track. Um, but we put the ownership of that on the new hire so that they are really driving their training and, and taking responsibility for what they have not scheduled yet, who they haven't met with yet. Um, and you can in there, you can assign. Yeah, fair housing is going to be with Lydia and inspections is going to be with so and so and and. So it really gives them a, a chance to meet more of the team, um, you know, holistically, as opposed to, you know, just at, at the next big team meeting. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. That's really great. So then they've gone through the 90 day induction and they're now a fully fledged part of the team. Are there any regular things that you do from, um, from a meetings point. So uh, we'll talk about the meetings first with the one-on-ones and the staff meetings. How regular are they and do you do them? Yeah, I have always been a big supporter of regular one-on-ones. Um, and I think the frequency of that really depends on your workspace and, and how often you're interacting, you know, 
regularly with with each employee. Uh, we do weekly for most for most of our staff, um, and I think those one on ones really again going back to kind of the training conversation. It's a two way conversation. Uh, the way I structure my one on ones is not just me telling you what needs to get done, what hasn't been done, what's coming up. Um, otherwise, I think you're wasting time, right? If 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 it's something that could be in an email or a message um, that's just me talking at you, then why are we spending an hour, you know, in, in a designated space? Um, I think it really is an opportunity to to open up and talk through more than just the day-to-day um, and what's on your plate right now, but kind of really the bigger picture um, and help foster those relationships and um and trust in your staff to be able to come and, and talk to you about what's going on. Uh, I think that's the only way that I can know really what's going on with each of the teams is to have that trust in, in my staff to be able to come in and tell me and say, yeah, we're really struggling with this. Um, and I may not have a solution or an answer right away, but at least it starts the dialogue. It starts the conversation of, oh, wow. Yeah. That tool we invested in last year maybe is not working the way we envisioned. And you're the ones using it every day. And so if if you're running into roadblocks, if you're running into difficulties or there's a better tool that's come out, let's explore that. Let's talk about it. Um, because ultimately the, the work is always going to be tough. The clients are always going to have problems. So the more barriers you're put in front of them to be able to solve those, the harder, the harder it becomes, the more burnout there is, the more turnover turnover you're going to have with your staff. And as much as I love training, I don't want to have to do it more than <laughs> more than I absolutely have to. Um, it's really, really uh, time intensive. So, yeah, um, so we, we, we meet. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I was just going to say we yeah, we meet weekly uh, one on ones. And then we also do team meetings weekly. And that's kind of more like, hey, what's going on? What's you know, what's the focus for the week? That's a bit more of like the. um the 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 focus on the actual work if your team was to get bigger would you and obviously one-on-ones there's only so many hours in a day would you be inclined to this is just like a not a trick question it's just a question um so team gets bigger currently doing weekly one-on-ones are you more likely to get another person in to assist with one-on-ones on on a weekly basis, or would you change them to fortnightly? I've done both. Um, You know, folks who are performing really well, who who may not necessarily need that weekly touch point, I'll switch that to to every other week or fortnightly. Um, You know, I think one of the big complaints about just office work in general is I have so many meetings, I don't have time to actually do my own work. Um, and so, uh, we, yeah, we also want to be mindful of that and make sure that we're not having meetings just for the sake of meetings. Um, one of the practices we put in place uh, two years ago now is if we have a, a short week because of a holiday or or whatever else, we'll typically cancel all, all internal meetings um, because, you know, as we know in, in property management, you have a four-day week, you still have seven days worth of work, not even five days worth of yeah, work. Correct. Because, uh, you know everything continues going on even when our office is closed. So, um, you know, giving that time back when, when you don't absolutely have to have a meeting, I think staff really appreciate that. Um, 
knowing that we're we're not scheduling these just for the sake of of doing it. It's there there is intention and there's purpose behind it. Um, and I've canceled team meetings before, you know, last minute or or with short notice because I wasn't prepared. Um, yeah. And that's you know I don't want to I don't want to just stand up there winging the meeting um, and and lose that that valuable time and lose that trust in my team that that this is with intention and purpose. And so if we have to cancel a meeting. Um, you know, we we do that or reschedule. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's good. I am. Um, I think one of the things that I took from what you were talking about is um, being approachable. I think that's something that a lot of business owners aren't aware that they are being unapproachable, and it's not easy for people to go and just ask them a random question during the day. And I work in an open office, so my office environment, I don't have my own private office or anything like that. And I think there's probably a lot of offices that maybe do have private offices for, you know, the the business owner or um, the, the top of the management hierarchy. And I mean, I don't want to say it's the wrong thing to do, but I think that if you do have your own office, I think you should be quite mindful about your door being shut and quite mindful that um, that people know it's okay to walk in your office. Like I, and if you say, "Well, they can't walk in my office without me inviting them," I would say, "Have a good hard look at yourself." <laughs> and um, and if you're having staffing issues, that could be one of your problems. So I, I don't know if you have an, uh, your own office and then how you deal with being approachable in that, or do you have an open office? Uh, it's a little bit of both. I, d- I do have my own office. Uh, it does have a lot of windows uh, that face into the office. So even if the door is closed, you know, I'm waving it at folks as they walk by, inviting them in. Um, but likewise, yeah, I think being approachable is is really important um to be able to allow staff to come to you when they act when they really need something you know if there's something with a client you're likely to get tapped when they need support but if it's something that's uh internal um you know they're having an issue with another employee or they're having an issue just with their workload i want people to be able to feel comfortable to to come and talk about that um so and and i think those regular check-ins is is part of that um but i think we what Nest does well is also create opportunities outside of the work to build those relationships. Um, and so, um, you know, having staff events, having having quarterly meetings that are longer and really an opportunity to completely close close down, you know, the work itself and put things on pause and really focus on on what's happening at the company, what's happening um, in 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 our industry, where's, you know, where are we looking ahead to what problems are, do we need to address those types of things? Um, I think are really tough to have in a, in a 30 minute or one hour meeting. Um, and so creating those opportunities to allow people to speak up and allow people to participate in the process, I think is what helps people buy into the, the company. Something Lisa does, um, our founder that, that I, I always love seeing as well is she'll do what she calls her lunch shuffles. Um, and so she'll invite, um, four or five people from the different, um, companies, um, to a lunch and it'll be an hour or two hours offsite, you know, laptops closed, no, you know, no minimal work talk. Um, but I think that also 
creates opportunities to get to know someone that maybe you don't interact with on a daily basis. Um, get to know the founder of the company. Um, you know, her her time is certainly valuable, and and generally doing things way above the the day to day work. But her willingness to be approachable, to spend time with someone that was just hired, you know, ninety days ago, uh, I think really speaks to the culture that she wants to create. Um, and then that trickles down, you know, I, I see that I've seen that for the six years I've been here and it inspires me to want to do, you know, want to do similar and create those opportunities for, for people to say like, oh yeah, like I can go to Esther with, with any problem. Cause I know he'll be, he'll be willing to chat. And if I'm slammed, if I have a meeting coming up, um, generally my response will be, this sounds like a great conversation, but I don't want to rush it. So can we schedule a time, you know, later today, or can I pop in? Are you free in an hour to chat more? Um, and I think that just that that tells someone like you are valuable and the problem you have, even if it seems simple to me or um, or or seems like something you should already know, it's important to me to invest that time in, in you to to make sure that you feel confident or you feel like you have the tools and resources to be able to address this. And hopefully if I'm doing that well, then they're solving that on their own the next time or, or they're teaching someone else how to do that. Um, and yeah, I, I, I like seeing that. I like seeing that, that progress and that, that, uh, you know, that aha moment when it's like, oh yeah, okay. This isn't as complicated as it, as it seemed. Yeah. I, I actually, um, use that line on clients when they call me up and I'm trying to do something. I always say to them, listen, I can help you, but I don't want to rush and, you know, give you the wrong advice. So can I just call you mm-hmm. back later and, and do it? And it's, um, it's a, it's a really good way of, um, of, like of being busy but not making them feel you know like like you've interrupted them too much so um right. and yeah and it does value the clients as well as obviously with stuff I think it's great to use um tell me do you see any mistakes in other businesses that are like a common thing in your area like where do you think business owners get it wrong Oh, that's a great question. I'd say two things come to mind. The first one is the what you're incentivizing your staff with. And, you know, yeah, salary, bonuses, you know, money, money talks, right? But I don't think that's the only thing that that incentivizes people um, or or encourages people to stick with, you know, stick with a job, stick with a career. I think it's the the opportunity to be meaningfully challenged and see growth and and projection and and find interest in the work that you do. Um, and so creating opportunities for that uh, for folks, I think is important outside of just, oh, here's a you know, here's a spot bonus. Here's a five dollar coffee gift card. Um, while those while those things are nice, I, I see companies that that only do that. Um, and I think you you lose folks, you know, I, the bonus thing is interesting because it's it's great to get a bonus. It's great to get, you know, additional funds. But when you ask someone three months later what their last bonus was, I think most people can't can't answer. Right. So it's very short term excitement. Um, I think it does when you tie it to a performance thing, there is some motivation there. But but I think ultimately it can't be your only compensation plan. It's just, oh, we'll just throw money at the problem. Um, I think the other one that comes to mind is really the workload um, and work-life balance. 
Um, we've tried to get away from saying work-life balance because we can only create the the work part of that. Um, and it's really on the the individual to create the balance in their own in their own world. But I think it is important to know um the work that that you're assigning out and and understand the complications and barriers. So um I try to get into the work occasionally. I actually don't try. I, I get into it often. Um, I enjoy it, but also it gives me an opportunity to really see, um, you know, what the challenges and 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 uh, barriers are to to success. Um, and so, you know, we're we're in summer here in in DC, and it's the peak of our leasing season. I'm leasing a couple properties, going to showings, you know, working through some of those new tools that we've invested in in the past year or two um firsthand and, and I asked my managers to do the same. And of course you don't want to get um lost in that and 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 give up the opportunity to to do bigger, bigger picture projects. Um, but I think having that exposure really, you know, working side by side with folks really shows like number one, I'm I'm not above any any work that we do. I'm I've done this. I'm also willing to do it. Number two, yeah, I had the same problem that you did. And so I can now understand why that's a stress for you when you're doing it with, with a much larger, you know, workload it, as far as like the number of properties you're carrying. Um, so yeah, let's work to figure out like how we can, how we can overcome this. Yeah, I um, I just want to go back on a couple of things you said that I love, and one of them, uh, you just, you know, you mentioned the bonuses, and you know, three months later, they quite often can't remember, you know, how much it was, or maybe what they did with the money, and it's that whole, um, you know, people people um, forget, you know, what you say, but don't forget how you made them feel, and so I think, mm. you know, just giving someone something. Um, you know, it, it, there's there's no fear. No, I, I'm not. There's no feeling there. Like there's no sort of real experience. It's sort of just handing over a bonus. And something that I've learned um, along the way is, I think my style is what I would call structured management, random leadership. And because I am very random in my style of management, there's not anything that's a routine or that we do on a regular basis. So sometimes we might go, hey, let's go out for dinner, let's go out for lunch, let's go do this activity. It's very random. And even at Christmas time, we do random events for, uh, for our Christmas party. It's never the same thing. So I think those things are appreciated a lot more. Like if I was just to randomly buy a coffee for someone, that is so much more than someone just expecting flowers on their birthday every single year because that's what the business does. It removes, it removes that um that yeah that that random feeling of oh wow like a nice little surprise because it's never tied to an amount like whether something was three dollars or three hundred dollars, it's not about the money it's about that random act of kindness. So for me, not that I have done that on purpose, but when I reflect on my style, that is what I've done and now I'm conscious that I think that that's what's worked for me um so I like that you mentioned that mentioned that bonus yeah. um, the second thing was uh you going out into the the field so again this is a um like I hope there's business owners that are listening that maybe could recognize if they're not doing this so for me 
I would be the first one that would jump on front desk and hands, and, and, and handle walk-in inquiries or uh, when someone's on leave, I help look after their portfolio, generally with another staff member who does the main stuff, but I'm still there helping doing it. And, uh, you know, it might be my turn to go pick up lunches or coffees and I'll go do that. I don't think uh, as a business, we definitely don't run with any what I call vertical management. It's all very horizontal management. And I listened to, do you know a guy called Dave Clare? I don't. Okay, he's a Canadian guy, lives in Australia. And he, um, he, I was watching a TikTok of his the other day. And if someone, if you're listening and you don't follow Dave Clear, go and follow him. He does live in Perth. He's, he's an amazing guy. He, everything that comes out of his mouth is just like music to my ears. And he had a video the other day on TikTok. And what he said is that the leader in the business, that is sort of, and Dave, if you're listening to this, I'm not probably saying it the same way you did. It's like my little version of it. But what he was pretty much saying is that the leader that is, you know, doing the work and has that energy and that motivation and really, you know, driving the company, what happens is people around them, like the, the team members, they will rise, um, what did I say? They'll rise 15%, you know, in that same direction because they're following the leader. But if you are a leader or a boss that is not, you know, moving forward, creating that motivation um, in the company and you're sort of like, you know, you're, you're down the bottom, then people will fall 30% in their productivity. And wow. he obviously does it a lot better than what I do. But um, <laughs> but it's sort of like something that I thought that's really interesting because I know that I, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk. Um, but I know so many business owners and I will, I'm just going to say it straight out. It's generally sales led directors. So business owners that are sales reps, high performing sales reps, they are the ones that are not, they're not really interested in property management. They they actually have no interest in getting into the, the you know, the nooks and crannies of it all. And mm-hmm. they, but are also the first people to complain when they've got staffing issues. And it's like, but you can't you can't just have an office with four walls and expect them to perform if they're not um if they don't have someone to look up to and to inspire to and want to impress and wanting to do the best for i just and i don't know how i don't know how like you can without being offensive to people say I think you're the problem. So one thing I I wanted to ask you, and I know I'm putting you on the spot with a few questions, is, you know, what would you say to someone, like, if, um, how, or how would you recognise if you are the problem in the business? Like, so for you, obviously, you're not a problem in the business, but if you were a problem in the business, what would, what would your business look like? Ooh. I I gauge I typically gauge that by by turnover, yeah. By the number of employees that are are leaving the workforce, especially those leaving it for a similar position, yeah. Right. I mean, we've had folks leaving, you know, for for different careers or different interests or or relocation. Um, but if someone's leaving property management for another property management role, um. To me, that says there there was something missing here. 
um, that we didn't provide, whether that was was good training or or good growth and development or just good support. Um, so I think that's really a big indicator of of the culture that you're creating in your workspace. Would you do exit interviews with your team if they leave? We do, yeah. We we try to as as much as possible, um, and to you know to take that feedback and and really take that opportunity to self reflect. Um, of course, at that point, it's it's potentially too late for for that individual employee. But I think chances are, if someone feels that way, they're not alone. Yeah. Um, and so the the feedback that you get in those interviews is really not about that person. It's about um, what other issues are happening that that you may be blind to. Um, we've also done um, three sixty feedback, um, and so that's feedback both up and down, um, and that's anonymous. And we've we've hired outside companies to come in and and perform those, so they are uh, really unbiased and and ways to um, to collect that feedback. Um, and really, that's an investment as well, not just in in your staff, but in any leadership positions, um, because it gives you that opportunity to sit down with that manager and say, hey, here's the feedback we're getting from your peers, from your supervisor, from the staff that report to you. Here are some areas like that we can invest in developing. Um, I think so often high performers are promoted to a managerial position. Um, and I've seen this in the restaurant industry as well as, as property management. Um, and then really not provided the foundation to be good managers. They're, they're good role models. It's like, okay, great. You can do this role, this position really well, and you're setting a good example, but that's very different than managing someone, than than coaching and training and and being able to provide um, feedback that is going to motivate and correct um, and improve performance. Um, and so I think, you know, really taking regular opportunities to to look at that and and figure out what am I what am I missing, what am I not seeing um, that needs to be addressed is just as important as as facing the you know the very glaring obvious problems. Yeah. Now, I um, am going to finish off because I've asked you a few hard questions. I'm going to finish off with one last very difficult question. It might be difficult. It might be easy. Restaurants or real estate? Which one's, which one's the easiest? Easy. Uh, I don't think either is easy. <laughs> I'll, I'll, take the, I'll take the easy answer out. I think they're, they're both um, challenging in different ways. What I loved about the restaurant industry is, is the excitement and, and positivity surrounded around it, right? Most people, if they're going out to a restaurant, it's to celebrate a birthday, an anniversary, a, a, a reunion of friends, you know, it's, it's already tied to a very positive experience. So you kind of teed up to just really knock it out of the park. Um and and obviously I, I love food. I love just everything around that atmosphere. The 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 problems you face, at least with clients, are generally short term, right? It's it's that moment, that instant. It's okay. Your appetizer is running late, or this food wasn't prepared correctly. You can fix it a lot easier than I think in property management, where the issues are are more long standing. Those relationships are much longer. Um, and so that excites me because it is, it's, it's not just a one instant, um, relationship. It's a longstanding relationship that you get to build over time. Um, 
And so, yeah, I think both both industries are very interesting to me, um, and I think come with their own own set of challenges. Um, from a staffing perspective, I think um, real estate and property management provide a lot of different avenues for for growth. Um, we have a lot of folks who come in because um, they're interested in the leasing side of things, and that's you know that's where I started, and that's all I paid attention to, and. Um, you know, I was exposed to a, a lot of the different elements that then kind of in, intrigued me and, you know, the compliance and fair housing and the maintenance side of things, you know, you, you have a lot of diverse opportunities to, to expand your, your knowledge and, and, um, and opportunities for growth in, in a very interesting industry. Yeah. My, um, for those that don't know, my personal, um, my personal what's the word it's late at night when we're recording this so I'm losing my words but my ultimate goal in life would be to be back in hospitality waitressing or behind a bar like I loved my early adult years working in restaurants it it, Mm -hmm. it's still something that I just dream of doing maybe when I retire or I don't know when I would do it but I just that that is such a happy place for me. So I um can definitely see the similarities in it. But um I yeah you you definitely it's it's very easy obviously to fix things in the restaurant world. But that's actually one thing that I find in real estate is when problems come up, I feel that the quicker you can make them go away, the better for everyone and. Sometimes, like I remember I had a team member, they were spending, I reckon it was about a week, back and forth, back and forth on this issue. And I went up to her at like in the second week and I said, how much are we talking? Like, what are you arguing about? And she goes, oh, it's $300. I said, here's a check for $300. Make this go away and stop wasting any more time on it. It's, you know, it's. I I think yeah the quicker you resolve it make like I said you know make it go away real quickly um sometimes it means you've you've got to give a little to make that happen but you know what it's worth so much more yeah it always amazes me when people don't factor in the value of the time that's spent on a on a problem I I see the same thing very frequently and it's yeah, we don't want to we don't want to be just writing, you know, concession after concession, but at some point it if it's retaining a client, if it's making your staff happier, you know, yeah. just removing that problem from your staff's day, the the amount of stress that that just dissipates immediately. It it you can see it. Um and so I think that's a very wise $300 to to spend. Totally. And sorry, I know that I'm meant to be wrapping this up, but um but I just wanted to bring it back to like with restaurants and and supermarkets and and real estates as well, I, I assume that in the restaurant industry, there would always be in, you know, a, a P&L or in the budget, a, an allowance for maybe, I don't know, rotten food, mistakes, errors in a supermarket. There's always an allowance for stolen goods because the mm-hmm. stock, you know what I mean, stock gets stolen. To be, I mean, I'm just, again, going to say it, Real estate's the same. I, I I agree. I don't think you should be giving out, you know, money and money all the time. But on a large portfolio, if I was to pay out probably these days, I actually haven't had to for a while. Let's call it a thousand dollars for the year. Um, you know, in a couple of little things over over um the whole year. 
in the whole scheme of things, that is a very, very small portion that I'm not going to be worried about. And um, and I think all businesses have a little bit of a slack for mistakes, errors, stolen goods, rotten food in restaurants. Mm-hmm. So would that be fair to say in the restaurant industry, there was always an allowance for? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But we don't, but we don't talk about it in real estate because no one wants to admit that they do it. <laughs> and and no one wants to admit that they made a mistake. Yeah. You know, I think that's um that's something we do very, very well. Um, you know, take ownership if if I tell people all the time, we're not perfect, but we care about what we do and and we're we're happy to to work to fix it, to to resolve it. Sometimes that is sending someone back to to make a repair at no extra cost. Sometimes that's just issuing a, a monetary concession. Um, and at the end of the day, that that peace of mind that you get that the problem is resolved and, and hopefully your client is feeling the same is worth 10 times as much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I appreciate your time so much. You have no idea how valuable this listen is for uh, business owners, property managers, department managers, just to really be like a fly on the wall and listen to conversations, you know, between two business owners on staff and how you do it and, and things like that. It, we don't naturally call each other and say, hey, can you tell me how you do this in your office? Because people are too scared to sort of ask for help or they feel like the other person doesn't want to share you know, potentially secrets or things they do. So it really is um, very generous for your time to share today. And I know people listening are really, they're going to love listening to it and (laughs) seeing the alternative with managing a team. It it was absolutely my pleasure. Um, Something I really admire about Lisa is um, she doesn't look at our competition as competition. You know, this, this is an industry that has a lot of stigma and a lot of negativity around it. And I think anything that we can do to help uh, others out and, and improve the service that we offer is really ultimately better for, for everybody. Um, you know, we're dealing with people's homes, we're dealing with people's investments. And so to, to see, you know, everyone do better uh, and, to, and to trade ideas and how to improve that, I think just benefits everybody. You have no idea, because we're not Facebook friends, but you have no idea what I posted on my Facebook page. And I'm going to read it out to you because this is exactly what you just said. <laughs> I, I posted a little meme and it says, competition happens at the bottom. The people are at the top are collaborating. Uh, yeah. How perfect is that? <laughs> summarized. Yeah, exactly. I'll have to send it to you so you can show Lisa and say, yeah, please this do. is what it's all about. Yeah, and and for those who are listening, if I've offered you at least one thing that that you can change in your office, then I'm I'm grateful and and happy to have done so. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. MCG Quantity Surveyors are a favourite for property managers around Australia to help their clients maximise their cash flow through tax depreciation. I love how they place a strong emphasis on industry-leading education and data releases that they share with our community, and because they support the property industry so much, it is a no-brainer to use them for all your tax depreciation needs.